Travis of Kogi and Cambria again. Travis, how you doing? Good. How are you? Really Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been nine years since we did the last one. I filmed the last one, so I got to remember some of your guitars, some new friends, some yeah. old friends. Yeah. So uh, let's dive in. I, I know that you just did a big five for us recently. Shout out to the big fives. Check that out video. Cool that answers was you fun. provided. Yeah. yeah. But you had an awesome story about this gold top. So tell me about this. Okay, so uh, I, I guess it was probably 2010, and we had just done our album, um, or we were still in the middle of recording Year of the Black Rainbow, and I, uh, you know, I had been in touch with Gibson to try and get a um, a custom Black Beauty, okay, mm -hmm. and um, so we started working on a template. You know, we started working on on having the keywork in the body, and. I mean, I just wanted, a, you know, I, a friend of ours, father that we grew up with had a Black Beauty and I remember picking it up when I was a kid and feeling like I had the world in my hands, yeah. you know, and just, and being able to plug it in and hearing how incredible it sounded. I always wanted one. Mm. And I was like, well, if I'm going to get one finally, let's like put the keywork in it. Yeah. Um, so we had this, this whole thing, you know, ready to go and they were like, you know, you're going to have to pay artist price. And I was like, I, I figured it's, it's fine. And they were just like, but we will throw in another, you know, guitar of your choice, reasonable yeah. choice. And I had seen, I always wanted a gold top and I knew that this wasn't like, you know, it, it was the traditional Gibson gold top. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I'll try it, right? So we'll talk more about the, this one later. Okay. And I'll plug it in. A little preview. That's a little preview of the key work. It's not a sticker. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so basically this came. And I hadn't even, I, I went and picked one up one day and I loved how, I like how heavy it is. Yeah. Everybody complain about that, but I love, like, it's almost to me, like, when I go on stage, I'm going fucking work. Is you it know? your heaviest one you have? This is the heaviest guitar I got. Dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is a heavy guitar. So, um, <laughs> You're a heavy dude. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's why. Like, you know, I, I like to have something, I, you know, I want something that I can do heavy lifting with, you know yeah. what I mean? So, I, uh, I was basically like, you know, I like the way this feels, I like the way it sounds, but I didn't put much thought into it. I'm still like, I get this Black Beauty, you know? So lo and behold, I get the two guitars, and I think that the, the custom black was on Year of the Black Rainbow, but I wound up the rest of the time in the studio recording everything with this. Because wow. I loved how it sounded, and how it felt, and just like, you know, the frets, like, you know, the fretboard, everything is completely different than this guy, mm -hmm. as it always is with guitars. Yep. And something about this one just makes me comfortable playing. I can't even, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's just, this guitar has been my home base of playing for the past, so that's 2010, didn't yeah. you know? Decade. For, yeah, it's Decade crazy. Plus. 12 years, you know, um, almost 13. So it's like, 
Every record I've played on since, this guitar has been pretty much all of it, unless I choose, you know, I. we're talking about live right now, yeah. obviously, but when it comes to recording, I will experiment with all different guitars, but I know this is my safe bet, you know what I mean? Unless I'm looking for like something that's like a Strat sound or something, this is the safe bet for the Les Paul sound. Now, since you brought up the recording of the, the most recent record that you guys have, is there anything that's like a, a people be surprised that you use in the record while recording? I did use a Strat on one song, okay. in, in particular a, a, a little bit, the song Bad Man, I think I used some Strat on it, but the, it's funny, it was mixed and matched and, and most of the other parts are with this. Okay. This is a majority of the record. And is there anything different between the, 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 the custom and this in terms of pickups? Are they the same pickups or different pickups? They're the same pickups, right? Yeah. I pretty much have the same pickups in everything. Okay. Yeah. And that is, are they Gibson pickups or? We'll get Ryan and buy, you know, can Ryan be? Yeah, Ryan. Because Ryan's been, this is Ryan. Come on in, Ryan. Say hi, folks. Hello, how is everyone? So I think that we are dealing with pretty much every. Is there any of them that have different pickups? Well, the uh, 137. That's right. We that's kept the newest, same ones. That's your newest guitar. And I liked how it, the stock pickups in it. Okay. Um, everything else had gotten a variation of either a 57 Classic Plus or a 57 Classic. Um, there has been a few times where we've switched complete systems or harnesses. Uh, like the one time we went EMG, stuff like that. But we always land back uh, in pretty much uh, the Gibson Pro custom shop where area. Where I'm comfy. Okay. But the ES-235 we will go back to, I, I love how that sounds. Okay. And I use it for my drop D stuff, which is often with a lot of the Coheed, drop D is like the more sludgy kind yeah. of sounding. Um, specifically on a, our last record for live, we had a song called Toys, and that guitar just sounded perfect for that. Which is funny that you're using a semi-hollow for like your heaviest songs. Well, yeah, this thing is different than like the, oh shit, well, that's my guitar, so I can do that. <laughs> this is different than the 335s, yeah, you know, in the sense that it has this completely different sound than the 335, and I was surprised with how much I liked it for those like heavier songs too. I think I would just go back to this or one of the other Les Pauls, but this thing worked perfect for that, right? Yeah. I mean, sounds great for yeah, it. It's a great looking guitar, sounds great. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Let's, let's not lie here. Like, I... You know, if it's if it's sexy, you know, and it sounds good, then it's kind of your Deadly soul. Combination. You know, um, I think that was part of the allure with Les Pauls when I was a kid. Before I could really play, was like you saw some of your favorite guitar oh, yeah. players playing them, and it became this, you know, this obsession for me to want to be able to play Gibsons. And then you realize that no wonder they were playing them. Yeah. You know, it's got to be a trip for you, Travis. Now that you're probably doing that to the younger generation of players that are coming up like they might want a gold top or they might want a, a custom because yeah. of what you bring to the table now as a guitar yeah, player. Yeah, I, I mean I hope so and I hope like with this, this is like a brand new kind of, to be honest, I foresee this being on more recorded stuff too. Like it's new, this, this is just, I got this a year and a half, two years ago. Now is this a heavy guitar? Because it looks very thin and, it, and it's free. Feel it, I mean it's, it's, it's heavier than you think it yeah. is. It's not heavy like this, but it's heavier than you think. It's got it a is. much slimmer profile than the Les Pauls. But yeah. yeah. Um, so, basically, when it comes to the live sounds, that's also how I choose, you know, I also choose the guitar that's going to, like the other night, Ryan and I were talking about it because I was playing, um, I think, uh, I was playing Beautiful Losers, which is from our new record, mm -hmm. and it was in D. And this guitar I had found perfect for the song I gave an example of, which was Toys. But I was like, you know, and 
it was at rehearsal, right? So it, it happened to be, or it was a sound check, it happened to be that I had this guitar, so I just tuned down the D, to D real quick, and I, I was like, maybe I like this better, <laughs> even though I usually play the D, you know, for this song. But then I played that night, I played this, uh -huh. and it still worked perfect. Yeah. So it's all perspective, you know, like yeah. you never know how you're gonna, you know, really feel about it. But I, 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 I tend to realize that this guitar, with the pickups that it came with, like is a guitar that I might start leaning on using a lot more, but this is still my go-to always. And you're um, always a Bigsby, a Bigsby guy. Oh yeah, I mean I feel like honestly, just to to give away the the trick that I have with it is it's a safety net for me. You know. In what way? I can utilize the shitty sound that I made if I make a mistake or something like that. You know, like it's it's like it hit the wrong. Add that to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, okay, well, I did something cool with it, even though it was the wrong fucking note, you know? And I always love it for chords. Kind of surfer. I'm a, I'm a very big um, Neil you, Young fan, very big. Um, he he uh, finds those bad notes and really rips them. Yeah! <laughs> something to have that control of the, the the modulation of the note rather than either using like a phaser or even like vibrato that's something to really yeah that's what it is it's like I've, I've gone through shitloads of different tremolo pedals throughout the years and yeah. I'd rather control it myself yeah you know what I mean like and especially like with the like and it could be it, especially for me like you can feel some nervous energy sometimes when I'm doing it and to me like there's some beauty to that yeah. Maybe not to other people, but <laughs> to me, I've I've liked it, you know. Um, and that's definitely made its way on to Coed stuff and onto other things I've done. So um, basically, Bigsby. But, but that's why I like having the ones that don't have them too. You know what I mean? Like the custom. Let's uh, yeah, let's move on to the custom. So the custom is tuned to half a step down. I tend to use it for songs for um, unless it's a song that I know is going to have which. The last time we did a, a tour, which was the whole album, Good Apollo, on Burning Star 4, it was a big deal to roll out with like, you know, having, this is the first time we had numerous guitars on stage yeah. and stuff like that. Actually having somebody on the side of the stage that was gonna help hand you the guitar that was in that different tuning as opposed to, like, if you have standard and then you have half step down, you know, the E flat yeah. or e lower or, you know, drop these easy. You know, you stand there, you go. right now even if I take the volume down I stand here Chris is gonna be standing here going what the fuck are we doing <laughs> this guy. so yeah and so you can't you know you better have a long segue to have to do that live so even even for the guitar tech to have to do that with one or two guitars and we had shared guitar techs in this era mind yeah. you so it started to be that we would have one that was half step down one that's already in D when we started to have more than one or two guitars like we shared backup guitars. We're talking 2002, 2003. It would be Claudio and I both had our main guitar and one guitar in case somebody broke a string. Is it we ever surreal to, to kind of realize the path you guys have made? Dude, I look at this and I yeah. go, <laughs> I, I sometimes have to go, oh yeah, those are mine. 
That's right, those are mine. And I kind of look at Ryan tuning and I go, he's tuning my guitar! Holy shit! And you get just you know, feel fucking grateful, you know, that yeah. that's the case at all. So it's like, when it comes down to, um, you know, switching the guitars, like, I wanted to have, like, guitars that really, because back then it was like, well, this isn't my favorite guitar at all. Mm. And it doesn't sound that great, but I have, I have it half stepped down, I don't have to go through all the bullshit and, and we can just get to that song, yeah. you know? But eventually it was like, no, I want to have a really nice guitar that sounds great that's in, you know, E flat. Yeah. And so when I eventually uh, got this, and I loved, you know, so it was kind of like, sorry, sweetheart, but <laughs> that one, you know, the gold top over there, obviously, as we spoke about, became the main. But I was like, I still love this. This could be the half step down. And it's kind of cool because unless I need the Bigsby's, you know, or something like that, this can be the one that doesn't have it. So for recording and stuff, you know. Do you ever find yourself going for it when it's yeah. not there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a ghost, oh, like yeah, a ghost yeah. limb? Yeah. But, but this one's good, you know, because it's got like so much, uh, you know, it's got so much more, um, it's, it, I think it's got more ump. it's got more, it's louder in a way. Wouldn't you say, Ryan? It's like, it's got like this thing, you know, um, same pickups, right? But for something, it's about the body. Special. She's all mahogany. mahogany. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So, being that it's like such a different body and everything going on with it, like if I go to do like, so if I go to do the, you know. <laughs> shit, like it comes out more, yeah. you know? And I use it for the solos on Welcome Home and all that kind of shit. Yeah, Ryan's mentioned off camera here that making it maybe a little different, maybe more output is the, the mahogany body, mahogany cap. And then also the ebony fretboard. Yeah. Yeah. What he said. Yeah. No. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, I, I when I when I play the um, the stuff in Welcome Home, like I can't hear. Like we've had to switch it up because something's wrong with this or something. And he'll give me a different guitar for that song, mm -hmm. or like for the suffering or like ten. We have a song called Ten Speed of, of God's Blood and Burial, and this is the guitar that I've used for those songs. Half step down since I got it. Yeah. 12 years. So when they give me a different guitar and I'm playing on those songs, I'm like, this doesn't. It just goes to show you how much the sounds coming from the axe effects and everything else don't make the difference as much as the guitar do to me. Yeah. But that's me. Yeah. You know? And we can get to the axe effects too, but just to stay on the guitar. So yeah, this is basically my half step down always. So. I mean, it's kind of fitting because also when Welcome Home comes up, we usually close the show. Claudio takes out a double neck, yep. uh, and I'm, this this is out, you know. And it's got the key work, and it's like, but it's not just some sort of effect thing. This is my half step down. This is the one. So people might have noticed before when we're playing a set, if there's songs from Good Apollo or something else, like there was, I think there was one or two songs that were half step down, even on Afterman and on. Uh, which is one of our records. Sorry, I'm just spinning oh, yeah. off record no. names. But, People and also this. on Year of the Black Rainbow, this would come out. This gets used. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's not just a show thing because of the key work, which is not a sticker. But yeah, <laughs> but that was always been a debate in Coheed World. They were like, where do you get the sticker that Travis has? And I get it because like, you know, part of me is like, maybe I should just take like a chisel and go, <laughs> you know, so everybody's like, see? But I'm not going to do that because it's beautiful. It does have little like holes here that were probably for me just roughing it up but yeah cool let's uh meet some of the three you got uh some other semi hollows here so first time messing with these 
ES-335s was when we were recording the album on Heavenly Creatures, which was the album before the one we just released. And I just wanted to try it because I had never messed with one of these. So I went to a guitar center in Paramus, New Jersey. And I sat, and I sat there for like an hour and a half and everything else wasn't mattering at the time. And it was just probably because I'd never really played one, probably because, you know, that whole, I like to, to think of myself as still the little kid who just went and picked up a guitar and yeah. all the dreams can come true with that instrument, you know? And, and so I had picked one up that was a red one actually, but I was like, oh, it'd be nice if this was in Sunburst. And so during the album's recording, Claudio and I decided, and now we're well into recording already, yeah. but we decided that we were gonna like maybe get ourselves guitars, treat ourselves, because we're about to finish a record. And, um, and so we got it through Chicago Music Exchange. All right. And um, this came, and though it didn't make that record in particular, it's, it's made a lot of things I've done since in the studio, but what it's really good for is playing live. And um, I actually use it on, uh, on, on our song, Favor House Atlantic. Oh no, on this tour, I'm going back to the gold top on that, but I use it on Blood Red Summer. This is perfect for live because it, it, it creates this different sound for the songs. I go song specific on them. You and know what I mean? You get the Bigsby added to it after yeah. the fact. Yep. And this one, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and they are always so different guitars, but what's cool about this is as a backup to this one, they are like pretty much. Pretty close. Huh? Yeah, pretty close. So if that fucks up, this one comes out. And it's like, you know, this one, matter of fact, I had at home and kept the tobacco burst on the road for quite some time. Right. But I wanted to use the tobacco burst on whatever songs and I liked the sound for it. So I figured I needed a backup because if I'm going to use that sound, I might as well have something yeah, that right. I'll, yeah. So, and uh, I know for strings you're using Ernie Ball, mm -hmm. 10 to 52s. Yep. And is that on all the guitars? Yep, I, I stay the same on all of them. Okay. I mean, there was one where I was using the thicker, uh, thicker strings because we were playing a song where I would tune down to B. Oh, yeah. So oh, kind of like yeah, thicken it. Like I felt like, like it like stayed a... stayed in better tuning and everything. But I have we haven't played that. Was a song called Century of the Defiant. We haven't played that in a few tours. Was that because Claudio was going down with the he does the baritone? baritone. Yeah. So I would be in B and. Okay. Um, and so that, I, and I used the completely, I don't have that guitar now, but I used like a, uh, I had this teal SG that I used for that. So yeah. if we were doing that song, I'd bring that out now, you know? It's, it's, it's funny, I do. I have guitars that I specifically use and that I'm used to for that song yeah. and how they sound. Um, and then we're back to this. And like I said, I use this for my drop D songs. Basically for like certain songs, which will start to get into the sounds, like this song in particular, I was, when we were rehearsing, like the chorus parts that are like these It's too overbearing to have that heavy distortion sound, so I stick on what I call, what we named the clean drive, which is like, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely the crispness because it sticks out more, 
And also, I think the other one with Claudio is very driven on that song. I like to make it so whatever I'm doing is not going to muddy it yeah. too much because, you know, he's, he's also a very elaborate and can complicate, even if it's rhythms, he's playing very complicated stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I'm playing something, if I'm playing a rhythm and he's playing a lead, of course, you know. <laughs> Like on that song in particular, he he's does a lead eventually. Mm -hmm. So I need my sound to be thick as fuck mm -hmm. while he's doing the lead. And that's not always the case with a lot of Coheed songs because he's more doing the rhythm and I'm doing, you know, you're like kind of like leady, you know, stuff. Like, it's always interesting how you guys do go back and forth. There's no set roles. So well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think that that's just from the era of us being in a, in a basement as kids and, and kind of like, you know, even if he was working out stuff, I mean, it's definitely calmed down throughout the years, but I mean, you'd have one person doing something super complicated. It's like, okay, somebody's got to figure out what the fuck they're doing here, you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Someone's got to steer the ship. Yeah. So it's like this this one in particular I like using for all the D stuff. And the last thing that we have here is this acoustic, which um and we'll go back to I don't want to be too all over the place, but we'll go back to sounds. Because yeah. I want to get the gold top to finish off talking yeah, about absolutely. the sounds. Um but this acoustic that I have here is actually brand new to me. And Gibson was nice enough to to give us some acoustics to be able to play with, specifically on this tour for me. And so, you know, when it comes to um, acoustic guitars, I've, I've always usually played Taylors. But being that I'm such a fan of Gibson in general, and also that I grew up with a specific guitar, that my father was a musician, and he was a songwriter, okay. and he had, Claudio actually has the Gibson that he uses to record a lot, that I had as a kid, that I really started my beginnings of playing and he played on a lot too when we were kids and we would always be like this guitar is amazing so he finally got that one um why didn't you get it i it's still at my dad's <laughs> okay i'm not i i want my dad to be around for a long time yeah yeah but i'm kind of like someday maybe that guitar will come up my way <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry dad <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean that guitar is still in our family so yeah. i can go play with that anytime i left it in the rain once Ooh. My dad wanted to kill me. I yeah. was like 12. I left it outside in the rain. That fucking thing still survived and still sounds as good as ever. I left it on a pool deck. I was like 12 or 13. I'm like, you know, I'm up there, you know, probably, you know, playing like fucking Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, and I'm up there and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Put it down. And I like, that was like two songs I knew at that age. And yeah. I probably was like, I'm going to go do something else and left it there. Right, My dad wanted to kill yeah. me. Yeah. So basically... Um, with this guitar, they, they threw it, you know, very thankfully, I'm very grateful to Kevin, who is Claudio's guitar tech, because he had asked, hey, maybe Travis could try, you know, one of the Gibsons too. And, uh, and I love it. Like, this guitar is, you know, it's the one songwriter, of our... songwriter model. That was the thing you mentioned, your big five too, is finger picking. You're big on that. Yeah. 
very sloppy, but yeah, you know, it's like. Um, yeah. Yeah, this guitar sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, and you primarily just use that for uh, like your acoustic VIP set that I know that you guys are doing? Yeah, yeah, we're playing a song called Our Love, which uh, is a completely different um, version on the album. It's more electronic based. Mm -hmm. uh, there is guitar on it that Claudio played, but it's like more, um, yeah, it's not acoustic at all, and we do a completely different version as a band now, as we always usually do. Like last tour, we did a, a cover of Love Gun by Kiss. Oh, cool. And we did this like really interesting, yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true that Paul Stanley actually retweeted it. <laughs> he was like, this is really, I forgot what he said, this is beautiful or something like that. And he, he reposted our cover of Love Gun. It was like, holy shit. So, yeah, we did that the last tour. We tended to always do an acoustic kind of thing at the beginning yeah. of our, for our early entry kind of thing. That's a treat. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, but I, I started on acoustic. A lot of things uh, since I was a kid, and I know for Claudio it's, it's true as well, like a, a, a lot of like riffs and stuff like that would always start, start on acoustic. Yeah. And even if he sends a song, I'm usually working on it acoustic first. Like I'll sit with it and I'll play along to whatever it is, like, you know. There's something to have an acoustic riff that stands out or feels, oh, yeah. feels good. Yeah. And then you know that you can take it elsewhere with you know, all the things that you have at Absolutely. your disposal. Absolutely. Yeah, if I it mean, stands on acoustic, you're good to go. There, there's, a, there's a song on the record called uh, Blood um, on, that we're playing live now. And I'm playing it on electric. I recorded it on electric. But I mean, even like the chorus part that I ended up writing for it was, so I did it on. <laughs> sounds good on acoustic yeah you know that kind of shit but but then I added there's stuff you can't do because then I go and then it goes all the way up and yeah, can't yeah. do that on here you know you're running out of room yeah unless you go yeah so do you want to get on the gold top and we'll yeah, kind of go through your uh, patches that you got Travis get gold top back you're gonna take us through the axe effects patches that you have here I remember when we did the first one with you guys in 2013 you're one of the first bigger axe that had the axe effects kind of drifted away from the tube amps. So I know you guys use in the studio, obviously, but you guys are still there. Axe effects too, tried and true, it sounds like. Yeah, man. For what you guys I mean, do live and yeah. what you need. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. It's, it's actually become a thing. Actually, no. <laughs> oh God, dad joke. Um, but it's become a thing where when it comes to live music, I don't, I'm not saying we'll never go back to having live amps. And one of the things that kind of saves it the most is that we do have our Mesa cabinets on, on stage. So we have that stage volume and I can still get the sustain and feedback. So it's like, basically, I don't miss it, mm. you know? And I'm not saying that we won't do it again, but I mean, this, this has served us so well for traveling and I get all these incredible sounds. I, Live amps will never be obsolete in the fact of recording. I think that there's something that you can't replace for at least certain songs where you want a live amp sound. But, um, and, and that's why they do reamping now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, you want that sound, you want that roomy sound. But for playing live, 
you know, um, with, with the settings that I've been able to create, which I've kept, you know, for me personally, I've kept my settings for a, a good six, seven years yes. now, a lot of them. Like, if I go here, there's like a, oh, I'm not got the volume down, but. And that was for a song off of um, our album, The Color Before the Sun, which is called Here to Mars. And basically, I kept the same sound in here since, just in case we play that song. That's the only song that I have a specific name for in here. Yeah, Ryan just, was showing me beforehand that you just kind of have like patches, I not song-specific well, stuff, just like kind of like... Yeah, so this is... Solo. That's solo, obviously. That's solo time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called solo time. And so I will go to that if there's like a solo I'm playing in the song. And I'm, it, it's got everything I need to be able to hear the solo I'm playing. Mm. And not once has uh, Scott Edwards, a.k.a. Shreddy, Shredwards, our sound guy has never once said, you know, that solo patch doesn't work as well. And I've, wa I've seen like people have showed me like, you know, let's face it, I'm not gonna lie. I've watched our live stuff before to just make sure it sounds okay and it sounds great. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck it, why would I, why would I change that? You know, so I got solo time. You can't, you can't get- I love that. You can't get more- uh, You got hmm. literally heavy. Heavy. And it's pretty dry heavy. <laughs> So I use that for a song, you know, for a song like that, which is called The Dark Sentencer, I will use that heavy and, you know, because Claude and I are playing the same riff, but I'll break off and like do a... A harmony of it and that and this sound breaks through perfectly with this guitar for that song in particular okay but like I was saying before you have a song like beautiful loser and, and this this is not in D but I, I could just play the riff and I played it before but it's, it's still like a lead kind of thing and even the little leads in that those I don't want that heavy kind of sound yeah. because it's not like a harmony of exactly what he's doing it's a completely different thing yeah and I want it to have its space but not be overbearing and mud up the water so I have this it's clean drive it's so simple yeah. but I will use this for like full songs like you know we we have certain songs where I never go off the clean drive. Um, and then you got a clean one too. Yeah, well that's, we're gonna, we're gonna go to the fact that clean is kinda like, so, so basically, if we have a song where, and this doesn't even, you know how dry it is? Yeah. If we have a song, there's a little bit of reverb going on, but if we have a song where I want to just play a delicate part, but I don't want it to be overbearing and, and go over like, let's say Claudio, the one song we're playing on this tour is called Ghost. And if I'm just... 
drag out too much. I want it to, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's not too washy, it's not too. And so I have, we have a lot of songs where, you know, I, I will start out on the clean or something, but I never, I don't think we have any songs where I stay on that clean the whole time. I just need a nice, and, and that's it, Chris. And I think that's if, it. <laughs> and I think if I recall correctly, a lot of your heavy and gainier stuff that was modeled after a Mesa Boogie, like oh, inside yeah. here, is that uh, kind no, of what's still should, in there? You know, that's why you got to kind of lead me in some because I get kind of lost. So with this, with this heavy, the, all of it is kind of based on what I would use as the Mark V okay. when I was using Live Less, and I think that we based a lot of it on me wanting that. <laughs> That kind of sound to me, I mean, it's got a Mark V kind of Mesa sound, yeah. that thick. Um, and even I loved the clean on the Mesa. I think that really I based my sounds on the Mesas I was using. Mm. I have a little mini Fillmore too that okay. I use. And so, yeah, I feel like I was basing a lot of my sound on, and I'm telling you right now, it hasn't changed in 10 years. I've been using these sounds for 10 years. Nobody said to me, yo, dude, you should really do something different about that. So I've kept them the same way. If it works, and then we it works, could even man. go into, and we've stuck with Axe Effects 2, and I get afraid of going to 3, too, because I don't wanna, I love these sounds, I'm used to them, yeah. you know what I mean? And I don't wanna fuck with them too much. And I have other, uh, you know, uh, other things that I'll go out and play with, and, and I get worried about playing with live amps because I'm so used to this, yeah. you know? So anything that I'm gonna be playing in the future, I'm kinda like, well, is there a way for me to bring my Axe Effects? Now, the last thing I think I have to ask is, do you guys use in-ear monitors? Yeah. And if so, how, how are you, like, what are you asking for? What do you need? in that type of setup? I keep, a, you know, I probably keep one of the most, I've, I've had my guitar lower than I think I've ever had on this tour, wouldn't you say, Ryan? I mean, it's still a little loud, but it's sitting in the mix, sitting in the mix more. I, I'd say that my mix is more of a album style mix than okay. probably anybody else does. You know, I'd imagine Claudio, I know, that has to have more vocals, his guitar, yeah. and drums than anything else. And, and I'd imagine that everybody has their own little things that they need. But for me, I want to feel like I'm within the song. Kind of almost like a kid playing along with the record. Exactly. <laughs> I want to feel like a kid playing along with the record. Travis playing know? along with Travis. Yeah, so. That's, uh, that's it, man. It's lean and mean. Like I said, you got some new friends, you got some old friends. Yeah, man. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, really. I mean, that's it. That's you got all. the sure wireless system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I utilize I utilize the, the 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 space that I can get with jumping around like a jackass with this. <laughs> so I'm one of those people like you, you see people that have like the wireless system and they're like, why do they even have that? But I do. I I I've gotten tangled, so I'm I'm happy to be on wireless. <laughs> well, awesome, Travis. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. We're gonna talk to Claudio and Kevin. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're joined by Claudio. Claudio, you are. A man of many talents and speaking of one of those you just got back from comic-con oh uh, yes i did and how um, was that experience oh it's great you know uh, we've been doing it since 2004 um and it's just kind of become you know a thing that that we do like you know it's just part of like the coed and cambria world with with the comic book component and you know yeah yeah now, is there any like a much of a musical presence i know that coed obviously is out there representing 
what you guys do, but is there any other bands that do um, appearances there? You know, I think there have in the past. Like t this year, I think Ozzy was there promoting uh, like a Stern pinball machine. I mean, they had the big blow up thing. Ahead yeah, I saw on Metal Injection. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's the only one. I the only other musical act I sort of came across this year. But again, I'm not. I'm normally I'm just behind the booth, sort of. You know. Uh, uh, helping get the Amory Wars out there. So I'm not really on the floor too much. Uh, you know, when I do get the opportunity, however, there's so many people there that, yeah. you know, I'm really just like beelining to the thing that I want to be a part of. You <laughs> You're know? just a fan too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fans are not here to talk about comics as much as it is part of your guys' lore. Right. It's here to talk guitars, man. And right. You're an explorer, dude. So talk to me about this one. I am. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is actually my second explorer. This is uh, an E2. I found this at Mike's Music, I believe, in Cincinnati. Okay. It happened to be, you know, uh, I don't, I, are you familiar with the store at all? Yes. I, I, I've never been, but it's gotten brought up on other rig rundowns. So oh. It's, it's notorious for good finds. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, there's a venue right next door. I think it's called Bogarts. And uh, so I happened to go, go over there one day and uh, when we were playing, and I, I didn't find anything that really like struck me. And at that time I was playing like sort of a white reissue, mm. uh, but stuffed behind like a SVT cabinet was this guy, like just crammed up against the wall. Yeah. And, uh, and so I reached behind it, grabbed it and, and here, he, here he or she is now. Uh, at the time it had the original uh, stop bar or what okay. is that what that's called? Yeah, what do you call it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you just play the damn thing. Yeah, right. So, uh, so we we modified that. Um, you know, I think we probably put in a a, a nail bomb here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely seen a lot of a lot of years, a lot of a lot of uh, wear. Uh, the headstock's been uh, severed several times. Yeah. I think I think if you look in the light just right, you can see through it. Oof. Um, but uh, but yeah. Now, when you landed on this at Mike's Music, is was you seeking? Were you seeking an explorer, or was it just literally one of those aha moments? Yeah, it was. It was kind of an aha moment when when I found my first explorer. It was used at a at a guitar center, and Travis and I were, uh, you know, this was like our second tour as Coheed and Cambria, and we just figured, you know, we wanted new guitars, and yeah. uh, I found mine on the wall used, and I was like, you know, James Hetfield plays an explorer. Yeah. It's kind of outrageous. I like to think I'm a bit outrageous, uh, so <laughs> so I so I got it, and and it, and I found that I just found them comfortable. You know, a place where I can sort of rest my arm at times, and I don't know. I think they're I think they're super cool looking. Yeah, um, the E2. I didn't realize until uh, recently that 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 makes them different. Is obviously different wood components, but that the beveling that happens making them less harsh I guess in the arm right right and so I, I like this guitar so much that uh, I found the sister uh, V uh, so the same colorway uh, across the street from MSG uh, was another impulse buy <laughs> um, but yeah I have that at home at my folks and I think in case people didn't watch the last one this one is dated as an, uh, an 80 right yeah this, I, as far as I know uh, I think it's the same day my brother was born, January wow. 4th, 1980. So that's, that was a big... Uh, that's very serendipitous. Yeah, so <laughs> it was a big part of like the excitement of the purchase. Cool, man. And then, so this, like, this kind of, this, a this axe has been sort of, uh, you know, my kind of staple that this year, I believe this year, we came across this one. 
Yeah, you're you're kind of one of the explorer guys now. You, oh. the Edge. Oh, no, right. Lizzie Hale's got one, but like you, when I think of Coe and I think specifically you, I think Explorer, man. Right, right. So this one we came across in Asheville, and you know, I, you know, I, I, I know what I do to guitars. This one's in like pristine condition. Yeah. And so I didn't want to. I was like, I'm not. I'm, there's no way. I know it's an E2. It's a different colorway. Uh, I'm not going to mess with it. And then it was to my surprise, Kevin Allen my partner in this and my <laughs> wife uh surprised me with it on my birthday that's so cool uh so yeah it's same guitar a little weighty i think this one may have been uh not i don't want to say chambered but somebody may have like carved into it a bit because it's not nearly as heavy as this guy but the uh it this one is just beautiful it's like brand new also the way you play it and i know the sweat and everything that you put into your music probably has shredded off some of the wood or this one hasn't gotten that oh TLC yeah no yet. <laughs> I, 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 every day you know it's it's actually my favorite guitar to play uh now okay. you know just because of the weight uh it, it's got a little rounder sound to it okay um i like that i like when it like when the the guitar helps kind of like smooth out the uh the distortion mm. you know um i uh, but i'm also like afraid to play it does that one have a nail bomb uh, the it, yeah, I, yeah, I believe we put two nail bombs in it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's that. This is this one's just fun. Gibson, Gibson, I want either loaned it to me or gifted it to me. I'm not sure. Uh, it's yours now, either way. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it reminds me of that. There's like these pictures of Hendrix playing a like a Les Paul custom, yeah. you know, three pickup configuration in the SG body, uh, with like. I don't think it's a maestro like this necessarily, but I, that, those are the vibes I got off of it. Um, do you use that much? I know Travis is more the Bigsby guy. He kind of gets that going, but do you use that ever? I do. Okay. You know, really when it's time to like get wild and, and, and kooky, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll hammer away on it. Um, I don't use it so much in like soloing per se, but you know, when I kind of whammy uh, with the pitch okay. bend, I'll, I'll give this a go just to give it some more color. Um, but I like this guitar a lot, actually. And I like that it's like got this weathered, aged And that's how it look. came to you. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it was pre-relict. Yeah. And I didn't know that that was a thing they did. So when I got it, I was like, uh-oh, did something bad happen? <laughs> uh, but I, I do like that a lot. How are you choosing which ones to use in songs and stuff? It depends, like, on the song. Uh, you know, because this is this has become like a staple, like these E2s have become a staple. Yeah. Like I try to come out with them at the top of the set because I know that most photographers are going to be yeah. shooting in the first three songs. So um, that said, I mean, I love the tonality of them. Uh, and I also just like, you know, they're so beautiful together. Like I like them coming out, you know, yeah. in sequential order. Um, but yeah, I'll choose those for the top. So I, I chose this guitar. Uh, for blood because of the middle middle pickup configuration okay. just because I'm trying to emulate uh, Andy Summers, you know, it's definitely the song has like a big police kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I understand that like Andy Summers was using uh, single coils probably, yeah, but strat, I think. you know, yeah, but I figure, you know, where it sits in the guitar, like it, I think it does a pretty good job of, of, of recreating that vibe. Yeah, absolutely. What about this V here? So I, I bought this around the time of the Unheavenly Creatures record. Ooh, that's sharp. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a V custom. 
But the problem was is I liked it. So I couldn't decide between oh, that one Man. or this one. So I just got them both. Uh, but yeah. Why choose? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't, typically I don't buy guitars that often, so I guess I was like overdue, so I got these two. Um, just because I like, you know, I like that they, you know, the, the sister sort of vibe. Yeah. You know? But, but yeah, again, I think, you know, we're, we're putting in a... They have a real tuxedo vibe to them with the black and the white binding. Right, and I love the gold. Gold against black. Yeah. I think, I, you know, I just thought it would look, I thought it looked classy. But yeah, you can see all the sweat like burning into the metal, it looks like. Now these black and white companions, are they backups or they get some uh, stage time? Oh yeah, the, uh, the V gets stage time at the back end of the set. Okay. Um, the Explorer hasn't gotten any any uh, on this tour, but has in the past. Gotcha. Um, this guitar is pretty special because this guitar has been with me since the beginning of Coheed. So I bought this, it's another Guitar Center purchase, um, but on one of our first tours, I broke the headstock. Oh. And I didn't realize that you could replace them. <laughs> I didn't know that, I didn't yeah. even think it was a thing. Um, and so I left it in a van, like one of the bands, old, old vans, and it just sat there to kind of rot. And uh, on so social media, I got a post. It's kind of a long story, but. Go for it. So. Uh, you know, a house of mine had been vandalized several years ago. And so uh, I got this post on social media that somebody found a guitar. I think they had thought that guitars were stolen in the vandalization, mm -hmm. but that's not what happened. And I looked and I'm like, wow, that guitar looks really familiar. And I could tell from these, these bites and of course the Puerto Rican flag. Yeah. And, uh, and the headstock was broken, it wasn't repaired. So uh, it turned out somebody had, got, had acquired it and sold it, passed it off as my guitar. Wow. And, and, it, and, it, and it was. And so I just made a trade once I got out to Chicago for something, that, for some, something else that they wanted. And then Kevin repaired it. And look how, like, look at that repair. Yeah, and that's the thing that like, I've never really seen. It. I've seen it more at the base of the headstock. I've never really seen it kind of up further on the front side, you can really see yeah, it, where the so, split was. Yeah. yeah, the cut was like that. Wow. You know, it was like, we were we were young, we didn't have strap locks, the guitar fell <laughs> off mid-singing, snapped the headstock, it was, you know, it was toast. And again, then I had no idea that you could repair anything like that. I mean, you know, I still don't, like, for example, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, so this one's really special that I still have it. Like 20 years, you know, we're celebrating our, our 20 year anniversary and um, and it's just nice to have this out. It only makes its way onto one song in the in the set, but it's cool that it's here. That's, that, yeah, that's a real special full circle moment having that right, with right. you and all it's went through. Yeah, and then, so this has been with me for a while. This is the same guitar I used in the, suf the Suffering okay. video. Um, you know, it's just a, a sort of a reissue. Uh, it's got the the nail bombs in it. It's got a lot of nicks. I think this one it might be the only guitar of the time that's that doesn't have a broken headstock. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so its day will come. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or am I wrong in saying that? 
but yeah, that that's pretty much it. And of course, there's, you know, we have this uh, J45. It was like this was a gift from Gibson. You oh, know, nice. it's beautiful sounding acoustic guitar. And are you playing much acoustic live? I know that you guys do the VIP treat for the uh, few fans that get to check that out. But are you using that on stage? Yeah. Okay. I, so I use this one um, for a song called Ghost, and I use the Taylor. Um, on a mount for the top end of Window of the Waking Mind. Okay. So, that's that. And of course, there's one electric left here that people probably have seen many, many times. Right, this silly guy. This dude. Uh, so, uh, this was like, you know, at, when I when I got this, it was like sort of a gimmick, because I had written, I, had, I, had, I wrote and recorded Welcome Home, and I was like, you know, there are some cashmere, like, there's some cashmere DNA in that song. Yeah. And so, you know, I told management, I was like, you know, well, let's show the homage a little clearer and get this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so this has been with me since uh, 2007. And uh, it's a custom job. You can see that, like, they did a, not the greatest job in the paint on the backside. Like, that was always like that. Oh, really? So yeah. not from your just hand? No, no. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it does the it does the job. I love it. You know, I can't see playing the set without it. Well, yeah. at least when Welcome Home's in the song, in the, in it, and it's never not. So, Claudio, as you put away the big beast, what strings are you using on your guitar? I'm using these guys right here. Ooh. Tens, Slinkies, Ernie nice. Ball. Yeah. Has that always been the case for you, Ernie Balls? Uh, you know, it's been a. It's or been at least for a while. Yeah, for for a while. More recent, you know it. For a while, we were using DRs. You know, at home, I sometimes use like GHSs, but but out here, you know, I use Ernie Balls. Yeah. And then anything special wise pick, or is it just kind of whatever you grab? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a '73. Okay. Like, but just a Tortex. You know, it's got custom art on it, but. Of course. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you guys are a very visual band. Right. And I think. Moving on, I, obviously we already talked to Travis and he has the Axe Effects going on, just mm -hmm. like you still have. And is, I'm sure that's still the same one that you used when we filmed one with you guys in 2013. Yeah, yeah. It's just consistency. Yeah. You know, especially when we go abroad, it, it just, for so long we found it's like the inc inconsistency uncomfortable, yeah. you know. Um, and this way it's just like, it's just like playing here everywhere. You know? Now, Travis had gone through his patches and he's, he even said that, like, I think he said he hadn't changed much in seven or eight years, is that kind of how are you, are you always changing things up? Just a, a hair, like I think we've added like a chorus patch, okay. um, a fuzz, an octave, you know, to, for shoulders, um, you know, things like that. I don't know if that, that changes much yeah. from what we had talked about earlier. And there is, speaking of fuzz, you have something coming on the horizon I that do. people should probably be very excited about. Yeah, so uh, for the 20 year anniversary of the band, um, we're doing sort of a muff clone with an overdrive circuit. And like 20 years ago, that's what I used. I had a, I think it was a version six um, big muff. And in front of that, I would put like an SD1, like a Boss Yellow Super Overdrive. Yeah. Um, and that would be, that was my sound, like second stage era of the band and, and everything before that. Um, and so we partnered with Ren and Cuff to, to sort of recreate that, but also add some cooler modifications to it, maybe some alternative uh, overdrives to 
to you know to just like boost the muff you yeah. know um but yeah yeah that's what we're working on and and it's we we calling it the anna because the muff that i i had acquired i didn't acquire it in the cleanest of ways i actually stole it uh, really yeah yeah um from a, a, a high school teacher oh, really? <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it just so happened it was in a drawer I, it was calling me you know I was a fan of Jay Mascus. There it was. I didn't know what a big muff was. I finally saw one, so I was like, you know, and there's I'm so many put these question marks sneaky fingers to work. And based on those like <laughs> elements of the story, is like a teacher having a big muff in her drawer. <laughs> well, it was a music teacher. Oh, that oh makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought this was like a history teacher. Like Austin just has yeah. a big muff in her drawer. <laughs> yeah, um, but he was a really cool music teacher. Uh, Bert Hughes was his name, and uh, he had later come to a show, and I had confessed to him my and my. Uh, Thievery, and uh, and he had he actually said it was it was a gift for me. Oh wow! <laughs> so, Preemptive strike. I know, I know. Um, but uh, but inside that muff, there mm -hmm. is a, a sticker. The, whoever assembled the board, their name was Anna, uh -huh. and I thought it was perfect because it is the anniversary of the record, the anniversary of that sound, to call it Anna. That's cool, man. And, and were you able to get the unit? to uh Ren and Cuff to, to like reverse. yeah so they pretty much yeah they took it one to, well yeah and they've they've actually cleaned it up a little bit uh but they've actually posted it on their social media like the actual unit with the blood on it there's blood oh, wow. on it you know like uh tape markers from you know where I would position uh the the knobs and yeah they took it and cloned it and now we're, you know, adding those those modifications to it. It's pretty cool. I, I, I uh, we got a prototype before the last tour, and it was just like so much fun to mess with because yeah. I still utilize that that configuration when we record records because I know I know it's a guaranteed like. I know it, it guarantees a certain sound, mm. and it certainly does a, a beautiful feedback, a creamy, like wild feedback. I used, I actually used it on the last record on a song called Toys. There's a moment in, in Toys where this outrageous feedback happens before we go into like the verse, and that's that configuration. Yeah, good, yeah, with the with the yellow overdrive in front, and um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's cool, man. And and do you know if it's going to maybe this is not a decision you've made yet? Is uh, if it's going to be like a, a wide release, or is it going to be like a limited thing to like 250 units, or is it going to be like an active pedal that will be in the Ren and Cuff lineup? You know, I'm not sure yet. I mean, we're I think we're just kind getting of. to that point where we're going to have those conversations. But um, I guess we'll make it as available as as people want it. Gotcha, yeah. Claudio. Thank you so much for talking gear with us. Oh, you people, got it. Thanks for having people me. People are going to be excited about the guitars you know everyone loves hearing about your guitars and why you have them get to see the 20th anniversary one come back you know full circle yeah. of that one that's so sweet and then get the news of the muff yeah coming out so congratulations to you the band Ren and Cuff you guys check it out thank you again man Appreciate awesome it. thank you again for having uh, me all right I know that I said we're wrapped up when we got done with Claudio's gear but Zach was walking by he's like let's talk gear I was like come on Zach get the bases <laughs> so his uh tech Kevin graciously brought this back into the tone zone where we talked with Travis. Zach, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, how are you? Good man, good. Awesome. We're separated by these lovely basses, so let's dive into it. You're kind of a P guy yes. in your origins with the band and prior, but uh, these are different P's, so tell me about them. Yeah, so these are all Nash P's. Uh, we've got um, the PB, I believe this is the 57? Okay, yeah, that's right. They kind of have like different eras. Yeah, yeah. So this is the PB57, and these two are both PB63s. 
Um, what do you dig about the differences? Like, what do you tell from what's going on? I, so the 63s, the necks feel a little chunkier, like a little, little, maybe a little, there's like a little bit more beef okay. to them. Um, bigger profile. Yeah, a little bigger profile. The And the rosewood boards too, so yeah. a little different there. Um, and then this guy with the, you know, the maple and it's a little more slender, but um, still, I love this base. And how did you get into Nash? I know that's a cool story. <clears throat> yeah, so, um, you know, Kevin and I have talked about Nash on and off for a couple of years. And last summer when we were on tour, with the used, we went to Chicago Music Exchange and I played a bunch dangerous of- Dangerous spot. It was so dangerous. But every time we go to Chicago, we make it a point to go in there- As you do. Check stuff out, yeah. So I went in and I was like, you know what? If I see a Nash P-Bass in there and I play it and it's killing, I'm just gonna buy it. Yeah. And we're, I'm gonna throw it on stage that night and play it. You had it pre-ordered in your head. I basically, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna get, I, want, I kinda wanna get one. And we went and they didn't have any P's, they had some jazz basses. So I played some of those and, and they were so, they're just awesome. They felt so correct, you know. Yeah. The, the feel, the sound, everything was was right. And um, so I didn't buy one that day. But when I got home from that tour, they had this one listed online, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. So I ordered it, and it came to the house, and I loved it immediately. And it's actually kind of funny, uh, you know, these bases come in like a. Uh, like an alligator skin oh, cool. case, you know? And it's green, so when the box came, when it got delivered, I was home with my four-year-old daughter, yeah. and uh, I pulled it out, and I was like, look at that. She's like, oh, it's like an alligator. And then I opened the case, and it was green, and she's like, it's an alligator base. <laughs> so so I call it the alligator base, and I put an oh, alligator perfect. sticker on the back. Like, That's rad. Yeah, it's pretty funny. She's, she's hilarious. But um, yeah, so I, I ordered it and loved it, like, hit Kevin up and was like, man, this bass is blowing me away. I love this thing. It's so cool. And so he was like, well, hey, let's, he's like, I know Britain over at Nash, so let's get in touch. And so we got in touch and we had these guys built. So cool. And, and yeah. how are you using them? I know that you guys have several tunings. So is that kind of what breaks it up in that, terms of like how you're getting used yeah, out of them? That's, that's what breaks it up. So this, this one is tuned to half step down. So it's an E flat. Okay. This guy right here is tuned, uh, it's basically tuned to fourth down, so it's B, E, A, D. Okay. Uh, so I get the low B, and then this is, uh, the black one's in standard. So the black one kind of is, the majority of the set is on that one. And if you had to pick one, I know that this is gonna be difficult, but if you had to pick one, because you said yourself, if you had one tuning, you would only probably come with one bass. Probably, yeah. So which one out of yeah. these three? Out of the three would probably be the black one. Okay. And I think that's why that one's in standard and it gets played most of the night. Um, but not for any reason other than, uh, yeah, I guess it would be tough to pick, honestly. It, before we move <laughs> on to the, the conversation starter that, that is the knob here, yeah. uh, electronics, <laughs> is there anything we should know? Uh, I know that you're a Seymour Duncan guy, so what do you got there? Yeah, so, so I use uh, Seymour Duncan quarter pounders. Okay. So yeah, Seymour Duncan artists. So we, we, we get these bases, we put the Seymour Duncans in, and then we also put a badass bridge on them. And uh, yeah, and then we, we take out the tone knob, so mm -hmm. I just have one volume. 
because that's all I can handle. And, that, <laughs> and that's worth noting that is the volume knob is where where did this come from? Because yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it kind of started out as a silly thing. I I would kind of mess with different knobs on old bases that I had, and and uh, Kevin was like, I can't. I showed up to rehearsal with some bass that had a funky knob on it, and he was like, he's like, oh, where'd you get that? And I told him I don't remember where it was at the time, but. Uh, he, he was like, oh, you should check out this other guy, this other site, Love My Switches. So I, I did, and I was like, oh, these are cool. So I ended up getting a bunch, and I was telling you before, I have yeah. a drawer full of knobs. Yeah, exactly. Like, saying, I had no idea that that website existed. He pulled it up and he showed me, and it just blew my mind that, that someone's dedicated a career or a business to, to this kind of geekery. Yeah. Knobs and switches, and it's just not limited to, to pet, uh, base stuff. It's like pedals. Yeah, 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 because you get all, you know, a lot of these knobs you can use on pedals, and kind of give stuff a little bit more unique, like design aesthetic, I guess, you know? And I could see also maybe being a, a cool thing to s slap on a certain pedal that maybe you want to tow ride it. And so yeah. being big like that, I could see maybe that being actually utilitarian. Absolutely, yeah. And then, I mean, I like I was telling you, I have some even bigger ones <laughs> that are kind of just a little obnoxious, but that, exactly, you could tow ride it really easy. You could adjust stuff on the fly, so. And before we move on for bases and talk about uh, what else is going on in your rig, what should we know about strings? Uh, Ernie Balls. Ernie Ball uh, Slinkies. 45 to? 45 to 105 on the standard. Okay. 50 to 110 on the half step. And uh, 65 to 125 on the B bass. That's, that's beefy. Yeah, it's pretty beefy. And are you yeah. switching between pick? I know that you guys have such a, a range of uh, emotions in your music. Yeah. So are you fingerstyle pick? I, it's fingerstyle all night. Okay. Yeah, I'm on record, I've played with a pick a handful of times, like when it really calls for it. But yeah. My pick playing. I want to get better at playing with a pick. I practice at home all the time, but I still kind of suck at it. So, <laughs> so I don't want to bring it to the show and, and, and be like slop city, you yeah. know? Like I, I watch videos of like Bobby Vega playing with a pick, and I'm like, well, I don't, I shouldn't be doing that. Because <laughs> like I'm just not even. Know. There's, there's other guys that do it really well, and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty lame at it. So, um, it's it's hard. I try, you know, with strength. There's a lot of stuff that we that happens in the set with like some pretty big string skipping yeah. for me, and it's easy for me to do with my fingers. But if I'm playing with a pick. I'm just clunky. Oh, it gets real clunky, real fast. So and you know everyone's kind of moving and grooving outside. You got the video wall going up. You're you're doing like uh, sound testing, line checks. So we can't actually show. We'll show some photos. But what do you got going on for your amps and pedals? So amps and pedals. I am uh, using Aguilar amps okay. now, which is a recent switch. How did that come about? Uh, so last summer when we were on tour with the Used. Um, Jeff, their bass player, and I would would, would you know, we were talking about gear and like kind of nerding out about yeah. stuff, and and I, his rig sounded so good. Like every night, I'd go over to the stage and be like, "This sounds so amazing," you know. Yeah. And so we got talking, and and uh, I would compliment his sound and his you know all that kind of stuff. And I mean, he was playing like a, a badass up there too, so it was awesome, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, he ended up. Uh, reaching out and connecting me to the Aguilar guys. Nice little handshake. Yeah, it was super cool. He he kind of like connected us, and then we started talking, and you know that kind of rolled into starting a relationship. So they you know like brought me into the fold, and and you know we we were rehearsing for a tour earlier this year, and we were rehearsing in Brooklyn, and they sent a bunch of different amps yeah, over to the there. rehearsal spot. Yeah, yeah, I went to their shop once. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I want to go. I haven't been yet, but okay. 
you know, it's, it's early, so. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, yeah, they sent over a bunch of rigs and they were like, hey, check out some stuff and see what you like. And so Kevin and I hooked up a bunch of different rigs and played through stuff and then used it in rehearsal to see what would work. And, and I landed on, I mean, I kind of figured this is where I would land, but I, so I'm playing the, uh, the DB751 heads. And that's like the big. Big the big boy. guy, yeah. Are and those tube driven? They're, it's got a tube preamp. Okay. But it's probably the most powerful amp I've ever played through. It's insane. I like literally got the volume up to like maybe one and a half, and I was like, it's too loud. <laughs> I can't. I have to turn it down in rehearsal because it's like just blowing everything away. It's like so powerful, so beefy, wow. so punchy. So it's everything about it. It's like. It's really a kind of dream rig for me. Anyway. That's cool. Yeah. And, now, did you ever mess around with their smaller ones, or was it just probably not enough, not enough juice? For yeah, you? we did. So I, I tried out. I think it was like the AG seven hundred, maybe, and they might have sent a tone hammer too. Um, I can't remember. But we tried them all. Everything sounded great. Uh, but the DB seven fifty one was the one that was like for this band, for this show, for everything like that. This is the sound. It's perfect. But I definitely. I'll probably end up getting like a tone hammer for the house. If anything, you could, yeah, just keep it in the gig bay. You're <laughs> yeah. always ready to go. Exactly. But yeah. I'm sure it was part of it was you transitioned from the super basement, which is all tube. Yep. So having that tube preamp maybe is kind of like a, a softer landing spot. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you still get a little bit of that that sound, you know. So. Now was, I know Travis has a cab on stage, and I'm not sure. And this is, I apologize. I should have asked Claudio. I'm sure he does too as a cab on stage. Now you have a cab on stage. Yep. You just all okay. Yep. And what are you running for that? So there, it's the Aguilar DB810. Okay. So there's one on either side. They they book kind of bookend gotcha. the stage setup. Uh, stage right isn't actually on. Uh -huh. Only stage left. Because if I have that blasting, it's just going to annoy Travis. <laughs> it's not going to do me much good. So yeah. So uh, so that's actually a backup. Like if anything happens, we can. Do a switch. We can switch them out. Cool. Yeah, so. And then uh, what do you got on the floor? The only guy in the band that has pedals. What are you <laughs> yeah. using? Yeah, I've got pedals on the floor. So yeah, uh, before this tour, I kind of changed it up a little bit. Aguilar had sent me a couple of pedals, and I, I was messing with them, and so I put some of them on. So um, I have a, uh, a TU2. So that's like right into a TU2. I've got the uh, Aguilar, the Optimizer. Okay. O octave. Yeah, Optimizer. Yeah. Their octave pedal, which is awesome. Like, we, we do a, um, one of the new songs off the new record that's in the set, Disappearing Act. Okay. Uh, I use it during the verses because it gets this, like, real synthy kind of thing and just kind of a little, little change different there. Flavor. Different flavor, yeah, exactly. So, it's, that, that pedal sounds awesome. It's super, like, organic sounding octave pedal. Um, and then I have a Mantic Vitriol. Which is like a distortion pedal, yeah. But it's just like rip your head off distortion. It's the <laughs> raddest. So there's no subtlety to it. There's no subtlety. Like the way that I set it up. Yeah, no subtlety. Yeah, I just, I just, it's like this is what I want it to do, and this is what it does, and I love that pedal. It's been on my board for probably, man, I don't know, probably like seven years. Okay. And it's just it it stays while other things rotate around it because I always want to have it there yeah it's it's so awesome the mantic guys make some of the coolest yeah stuff so and they're they some take of the best risks dudes. we'll say they take ri yeah but like it's they take they take risks but the, the stuff is so cool yeah. and it's inspiring to use you know like I, I have one of the flex pedals that they made and i have like the density hulk and i've got a bunch of stuff that they've they've made in every single every single pedal they make is like 
inspiring to turn like you turn it on and something comes out and it's yeah. like this is cool and that, it'll that's a testament when gear becomes something more than just you know this is part of the gig this is part of the job this is my thing yeah it's like that's where it kind of goes to another realm it, it absolutely the inspiration it come from there yeah it, it'll like take you down paths that you never would have gone without yeah. it you know it's really really cool it's very inspiring um and then i have an Aguilar agro distortion okay. Okay. which is another awesome distortion pedal um that i use like for kind of some crunchy touches during the set for like a couple of parts and, and things um and then i i just put the uh the line six dl4 mark ii Ooh. on the board which has some really cool new sounds so i've been i've been using that a bunch there's a couple of moments like uh during in keeping secrets there's this kind of like freak out moment where everybody yeah. kind of goes nuts and i turn that on with the vitriol and it's like <laughs> it's just like going nuts. everybody's just kind of going nuts and it's kind of a cool it's yeah it's, it's it's a very it's a cool moment of like just craziness um and then it's got like some some glitch settings that I started using in Disappearing Act. Yeah. And there's like I use a reverse delay during Dark Sentencer. There's like all kinds of cool little touches. And it's funny, like I, I said this to you before too. Like I could do the show with just a tuner pedal. Yeah. But I, you know, it's like I just want to mess with stuff. There's <laughs> so know. much joy it brings to you to, to be able to do all those different colors. Exactly, and it's just it's really just like I don't know if it helps anything, but it's just fun. <laughs> it helps you have fun, and there through, through the fun you're. Performing better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I don't know. I don't know if I'm any better. <laughs> I might be worse. But but it is it is cool. It's it's fun to, to use that stuff. So cool. and, yeah. then, and is not having it in front of us, is there anything else that's on your board that you uh worth that's, mentioning? That's all that I have on there. Well there's a like a radial DI that okay. Kev uses to run the wireless through. Gotcha. Um but that stuff is this hollow notes gonna be too loud for you? I think we're good. <laughs> hollow notes is always a welcome addition. Like, Trust me. Just yesterday, I had a, my wife took a video of me dancing to Hall & Oates with my daughter. So. I wish we could put that right there. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's that's all I have on the board right now. Um, you know, I've had a bunch of stuff and cycled through some things, and so it stayed the same for a while, and I figured before this tour I'd change it up a little bit yeah. and try some new stuff. The sounds. world has changed the last how many years, so should your pedal board. Every, every, my ring changed, my pedal, new bases. I, I was joking that like, it's taken me a little more time to settle in on this tour because everything is new. Yeah. It's like, man, I haven't done that in a long time. So. Well, Zach, thank you for uh, agreeing to stop by and talk gears. I saw you walk by. We stopped you. Thank you so much. I appreciate absolutely, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, this time, I swear we're done. I'll get out of your guys' house. Have a good day. Awesome.